Do you want to start a business to give your family more freedom? Do you desire to have a marriage that makes your friends jealous? Do you want to spend more quality time with your children? We are your hosts, Matt and Jocelyn Woodruff, and we cannot wait to share this journey with you. Welcome to our family-friendly podcast. Join our conversations where we talk about how to build a business that will give us the freedom we choose. Welcome to the Family Life Movement Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Family Life Movement Podcast. Welcome Jody. Jody Chafee is a family culture expert, a life coach, entrepreneur, wife, daughter, and homeschool mom. Jody is the founder of our Modern Heritage Academy LLC, where she empowers families to live more intentionally, cultivate their vision and values, and prepare their children to grow into their life's purpose and mission. Welcome to the podcast, Jody. Thank you, Matt and Jocelyn. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> so the last time that you were here, we were really talking about how every family has a culture, and that can be by default or by design. Um, should So how should we design that culture um, so that it allows your family and your business to grow simultaneously? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think it's really important to evaluate your values. First of all, you know, I mean, we talked in the first segment about coming together and taking inventory about who you are and that vehicle that's going to carry you through this journey of our family culture. Right. And, and so there's, there's that foundation of knowing your, your identity, but then also coming together and deciding what your core values are, because your core values are really going to inform your decisions. You know, if, you know, you have a conflict in your schedule from your family and your business, but your core value says that family comes first, you're going to find a way to put that first and make sure that your business obligation gets rescheduled or you get, you work around things. And so, you know, it's, it's having those core values in place. Like if our family comes first, then it's first. And that's, there's no question there. You you don't you don't have to like go back and forth with this. Uh, I don't know what what do we do? This these are both really important. Mm, no, if you're if you know your values, you know what your priorities are, then you will do everything you can to make sure that that's those are the things that come first. So that's that's just like, and that's those things inform your culture. You know, your children start to recognize. Oh, mom and dad always put family first that is our core value. They be, they begin to trust that that's your value and they begin to trust you knowing that if they bring something up, they want to talk about something and you're in, you know, you're supposed to have a phone call and they come into you and they don't want to confess something or whatever. They want to have a D heart to heart with mom and dad. Then you're going, okay, hold on just a minute. I'm going to go reschedule this thing because you are my priority. And they will start to trust that in you. And those are some of the things that become a part of your culture and it becomes reliable. It becomes expected, you know? And so because a culture is some, one of those things that you just, it just is what it is. And, and once you establish those, those, those foundational systems and strategies and principles, then everything just flows naturally from there. Well, I absolutely love that. And I love what you were saying specifically about as a family and as a culture, as parents having that united front, I think there's, it, it's so easy as parents to 
have your own thoughts and opinions and enforce those onto your children. And I think that brings up a really good question. And that is, what are some ways that we can build a successful family culture, especially when, you know, my child has a completely different personality than what I do? That's a really good question too, because every child does have their own personality, right? And we're going, where did this kid come from? That's not at all what I thought I was getting. How, how come you're not more like me? Or maybe they're too much like us, right? Sometimes. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and so it's just kind of like, okay, I want them, you know, we get this mindset or, 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 you know, this belief in our head, like, this is what I want my kid to do, be and become. And and then we think we have that all mapped out of what that looks like for them to become that, right? But if we don't have those values in place of, you know, that, that, that are important to understand, okay, our, if our core value is every child has their individual identity, right? Then we act on that. If our child does something that we're going, whoa, what just happened? Actually, my core value is that I trust them and that they know what they are, who they are, it becomes part of your activity that you, you approach that child without judgment mm. to, to um, support them and be their mentor, but not try to make them become what you believe they're going to become. Every child is going to grow into an independent adult. And a lot of times when we try to enforce those things, you know, if you've ever heard of those terms of... Have you ever heard of uh, uh, helicopter parenting or yep. have you ever heard of snowplow parenting? And the, that's another one that's going even further. Okay. So helicopter parenting is when you hover over your child to make sure that any of the obstacles are, are that you just come in and you protect them from those obstacles. You protect them from feeling pain. You protect them from feeling failure or, or, you know, anything that could make them feel bad about themselves. Right. Yeah. Well, snowplow parenting is taking that even a step further where you go ahead of them and you, you clear out any of the obstacles that may be coming up. So like these parents who that's where you hear about parents who have actually purchased their child's college admission. Right. And that they've gotten caught and it's illegal. Right. And, but those are the things that people are doing. And so the result is our kids are not resilient. They don't trust themselves to be able to face their problems and find solutions. And so when parents sit here and they're going, no, I want you to be this or that, then the child doesn't learn to listen to their own voices and to trust themselves or to learn how to problem solve. I mean, the parents are almost teaching their children that they don't trust them either. They, the parent right. does not trust the child either. So why would they yep. listen to themselves as they get older? Exactly. Exactly. And then you get your child living in your basement for the rest of their life because they right. don't trust themselves to grow up or face their problems. And, and so, cause most of the time they've never even had to face any problems. Right. And, and so, you know, yeah, our children, we, it's, it, we're, it's so tempting to be like, why can't you just do what I asked you to do and be what I say? <laughs> why, why? Uh, it almost seems easier if they would just comply, you know, and, and there are parents who are willing to go to lengths of manipulation and, and coercion and, you know, these kinds of things that creates a fear driven, fear based culture in their homes. Yeah. And then nobody is thriving and it becomes, you know, without that trust, if you have a breach in your trust relationships, then it just begins to deteriorate from there. And, and in not just your relationship, you're as a person, you know, your child starts to go, I can't trust my parents. I can't trust myself. 
who can I trust? I, I'm just going to be lost and floundering in this world for the rest of my life. So you have to allow your children to experience struggle, to experience failure, to experience doing hard things because it allows them to not only cultivate their own identities, but allows them to have that resilience and that grit to face what's happening. And so that's what I've learned is that to have an intentional culture, it's not, it's more than just, um, it's more than just being intentional. There are components of trust and leadership that come in to our family culture that make a thriving family culture. I absolutely love that. Yeah. Um, so what are some ways that we as parents could encourage our children to create, to develop that creativity and that trust and that you were talking about in themselves, trust in themselves? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's, they, well, they've got to do the hard things. You know, it's when you see them struggling, it, it's very tempting to swoop in and protect them. You know, like I had a, a friend of mine was visiting and she had her three-year-old daughter over and um, to keep her daughter busy, we handed her this puzzle, like a very basic, I mean, it was like a eight by 10 puzzle or something that had maybe like 15 pieces. And the mother was this, my friend was hovering over her child. No, put the piece there. No, put it right there. No, put it there. Now this one goes there. And I was like, dude, back off. She's never going to figure out how to make a build a puzzle when you're always standing over her telling her what to do. So that's, you know, allowing your kids to experience the struggle. And then, you know, when they want to get creative and they want to do something hard that we need to let them and say, okay, mom and dad, I want to go out and I'm going to, I'm going to start a business to fly to the moon. And you're going to be like, uh, that's crazy, <laughs> but okay. You know, you, you don't know they, they're going to find out maybe quickly that one way or another, they're going to learn something, right? If they, <laughs> if they come with to you with your crazy ideas and they're going to learn. They're going to start learning. And you're just going to go, okay, be my guest. And that sounds like weird. And you're going to be, it's going to be scary. I mean, maybe it's not flying to the moon, you know, whatever it is. If they're like, you know, they want to run for a class president or something and they don't have any friends and you're going, okay, <laughs> whatever it is. I don't know. You know, it's, there are so many different things that they just want your support. And if you are backing them up and you're supporting them and allowing them to fail, they're going to learn these things very quickly, but they're not going to learn, you know, it's not about learning the failure and then going, well, sorry, you're done. Don't do that anymore. It's actually, okay, what did you learn from that failure? What did you learn from that experience? And that allows them to grow and experience these things that, you know, they're going to experience them one way or another. And I would rather have them when they're here in our home going, wow, I just, um, I just blew $500 on this business by accident. I had this, <laughs> I had somebody, a conversation with somebody, they let their son do that. They blew $500 on this, on this business that they were doing. And he was like, well, you learned that lesson really quickly, didn't you? And so <laughs> that's how you get, they get that experience. Um, so, so yeah, so that's where it starts is just not being the kind of parent that's going to just swoop in and protect them at every little thing. And then allowing them to come up with their own ideas and supporting them. 
-hmm. allowing them to fail. Yeah. (laughs) As hard as that is, as a parent, (laughs) letting them fall down. They they need to experience those things. Yeah. They need, we all do, you know, when we experience those failures, we are going to learn something. And, and more than just that, oh, I learned a lesson. You go, oh, how can I solve this problem next time? You know, it's, it's cultivating then this problem solving attitude. And, and then when you support them, then they know that you can trust them. So can I share one, another experience too, another example about how, how to cultivate this trust example, you know? So, I mean, it's, there's a mutual trust relationship here that, that has to be going on. Right. So I recently moved in with my parents and um, that we have four little kids and my parents. So this is our new cultural experience we're having here. Um, And, um, you know, my nine-year-old, he gets kind of explosive sometimes, you know, he's just like, I didn't get my way. And he just explodes. And my mom witnessing this, she's like, and she, she started to retaliate, you know, like, don't do that. Don't talk to your mom like that. Right. And, and I was like, mom, don't talk to my son like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you know, and she was like, later I I talked to her about it. She's like, well, I just felt like he was, he was um, being disrespectful. And I go, well, you're kind of being disrespectful by going over me to talk to him. Okay. And she's like, okay, I get that. And I go, listen, sometimes my kids are going to shout at me because they don't know how to regulate themselves yet. They're kids. And, but a lot of times they are trust, they are testing my bound, my ability to say, I understand you feel this way and I still love you. Not to then react and be explosive myself because then there's a breach in trust. He's going, I can't, I can't trust my mom to not blow up at me if I have a problem. Right. So, so I explained this to my mom. I'm just like, sometimes they're going to shout at me. But it's because I have to stand my ground and go, I still love you. And that's, it's okay for you to express your feelings with me. And I promise I'm not going to freak out about it. Some, you know, I'm not perfect at it because we're all human. Right. But this is something that I have, I have made a point with my children so that if they start freaking out that my motherhood or, you know, my, what I want them to understand is that they can trust me to accept whatever ups and downs, highs and lows that they're going to be going through. And so that's how I maintain that trust relationship with them. And then on the other side of it is when I ask them, Hey, I gave you an instruction to help us do the dishes. And they're going, I don't want to do that thing (laughs) that or or whatever the job is or whatever. If I say, you know, go running, whatever, you know, I I want them, I expect them to contribute. We have this, you know, intention that we want our kids to contribute. There's a trust expectation there that I'm going, you know, I trusted you to do this thing, but you didn't do this. So now there needs to be some kind of consequence because you didn't fulfill on your end of this trust relationship here. Okay. And so that's, that's where their part comes in. It's not just, Oh, I know I want them to trust me. There's so much, there's more to it. I want to be able to trust them too. And so my role as a cultural leader in our family is that when there is a breach in this trust relationship, that my job is to 
come in and and reestablish the trust, reestablish the values that we've that we've talked about, and reestablish these 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 systems and strategies that we know that we want to have in place. You know, we go. You know, we have this routine of maintaining the cleanliness of our home, and we I want you to be a part of that or something. You know, whatever the value is that we have, mm-hmm. and and so so we have a discussion about it. You know, and we might have a family meeting about it at some point where we're going, you know, it's been consistent over this week that we've let these things slide. So let's come together and talk about it. So that's a communication strategy that we that we have in place mm-hmm. to to make sure that we are regularly taking inventory of whether or not we're upholding our values and these trust relationships that we have in our family. So that was, you know, that was kind of a long-winded example, but it was like, we're doing this with my parents and it's like, they have to understand as soon as I explained that to my mom, how we parent, that it's about trust. She totally got it. And she has never said anything again. She's just like, okay, I trust you guys that you know what you're doing. And so now, you know, I don't, they don't try to parent my kids. They don't try to parent me. <laughs> we're just kind of like, we're just like roommates who happen to be related now. And so it's kind of, it's, it's made for a lot better of experience than um, I've heard and know that it can be to move back in with your parents. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of adult children who live with their parents and, and uh, it's, it's something that we've had to figure out intentionally <laughs> how to cope with right. this. Right. So, yeah. So as most of these families are building up their families and their businesses, um, it's only natural that the kids sometimes want to get involved and start a business. Um, what are some ways that you could introduce your kids to the business world? We kind of talked about that a little bit when we were talking about, you know, encouraging their their creativity. creativity. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I just wanted you to see if you had any other ideas. Yeah. I'm, I'm working on these kinds of ideas because I think that it's something that's really important. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hosting a virtual summit next month about helping families raise young entrepreneurs. And um, it's not just about whether or not they're going to start a business because uh, I think that the way that our economy is going, um, some of the jobs that we expect to be reliable and there in the future are not going to be there. Right. You know, even this idea of, of, um, gig economy things, or, you know, if you go, your kid wants to be in becomes is like, you want them to be a, t- a independent contractor type of working and they, they go, I'll just drive for Uber or something like that. Well, one day there's going to be self-driving cars, you know? And so it's just like, okay, that the reality is that when our kids, we encourage them to be creative when we encourage them to um, be producers. So I just did a really good interview part, as part of this summit that my, the, the speaker talked about the importance of being producers, that the majority of the day, we really need to be in production mode, you know, that we're creating something. We need to be doing something to, to, that is like from our heart and soul to bring out what we, we can create that, but the majority of our culture is really a consuming culture. You know, even if it's something like reading a book, that's still, um, you're still not creating something, you know, you're filling your mind and that's good, but it's still, you know, you want to be doing something that's like you're producing something, you're creating something. And the more that our kids are creating and the more that they're producing, 
the more ideas are going to flow. And the more it's something that they are going to get excited about, you know, because with this consuming culture, we get so distracted by all the things, you know, we could sit there and watch Netflix all day long or whatever your streaming services that you prefer, like Disney plus, right. (laughs) It's so popular right now. Right. And, but we could sit there all day and consume and consume and consume and never get anything out of it. We would never. And, but, and because consuming is never going to fill our souls. It's just never going to, we have to create things. We have to be producers and do things from our soul to create things every day. And that's, you know, so that's part of what we can encourage our kids to do is always think of, you know, how can my children create? What can they do to create something today? What can they do to to produce something? Even if it's just writing down their ideas, that's a start. So, so that was, you know, there's been a lot of really great ideas over the last (laughs) couple of weeks that I've been preparing this summit, like just incredible people and ideas about, um, what what the what this whole gig gig economy idea is and how you know this idea of our children just being able to get jobs and have their pensions waiting for them is like that's uh, ancient history you know <laughs> and you know things like that and and it's like really it's just about allowing our kids to create and not stifle them not go oh that's never going to work but actually the bigger their goals are the more they're going to push themselves and the more they're going to want to accomplish those things. And we just have to be supportive of that. Uh, I absolutely love that. Uh, you know, as, as our listeners and, and you probably know, we've got three daughters. Uh, one of them is very logical and I mean, she's still creative, but she's very logical. The four-year-old is, is insanely cre- uh, creative. And it's actually one of the biggest reasons that we homeschool is that way we can try to give that attention that it deserves and we can really nourish that. That way we can, you know, encourage and support uh, the different things that she is going to be uh, dealing with. Thank you for listening to the Family Life Movement Podcast. I hope you had as much fun as we did. To hear our thoughts on the podcast and to continue this conversation, join our free Facebook group by searching for the Family Life Movement. See the show notes for links to our guest social media and websites and any resources that were mentioned will also be linked in the show notes. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please go rate and review and send us a screenshot and we will send you a special access gift. Join us next time for more conversations, tips and tricks on growing your business around your family. Thanks for joining us and have a great day.